In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's be seated. Jesus tempted in the wilderness. As I look around tonight, I am guessing this is probably not the first time you all have heard this passage. It is an intense passage. And it's one that takes place in a landscape that I think we sometimes forget about. Because so often we look at the Gospels in terms of what they mean to us spiritually, but we forget that Jesus lived in a place and that the place informed his ministry and also informs how we can look at the Gospel readings. So when it says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness after his baptism, I used to have this idea that Jesus, you know, trotted off in this sort of holy way into a special wilderness. Well, it turns out he was baptized in the River Jordan, and the only way back was to go through wilderness. And this wasn't a wilderness that I used to imagine as a teenager in New England of like woods with thickets. It wasn't like a Hansel and Gretel, dark, scary space with trees. Or it wasn't like a Red Riding Hood place where there were wolves around. It was a desert, and it is a desert. If you've been to the Holy Land, this area where Jesus is believed to have been during this temptation, this area near the Jordan, between the Jordan and Jerusalem, is incredibly arid. And it looks a lot like Utah if you just leach out the beautiful red. These huge cliffs of sand, sandstone, little caves sort of burrowed out in them, very little vegetation very little water, canyons, deep carved canyons. It's a beautiful place and a scary place because there is so much of nothingness there. So a lot of my ideas of Jesus going off on this holy fast for 40 days, what was probably just a really practical thing, there's no food out there. There's very little water out there. And that's the landscape where today's gospel plays out. It's a striking passage because right before Jesus goes there, he's been baptized, he's affirmed as the Son of God. And how many of us have had intense spiritual experiences and then bam, we're in the wilderness. We're all of a sudden facing temptations That closeness with God doesn't feel so close. And it's hard to discern, am I making a good decision? Am I making a holy decision or not? This is the life of anyone following Christ. This is all of our paths on a spiritual journey. To be in this dance between a deep connection with our baptism, with our belovedness as God's children, and being in a world that's arid and harsh and maybe not so full of God. That's where Jesus is tempted, and that's where we are tempted. Temptation, what Jesus is tempted by, is not a bunch of things that are bad for him. 
It's not like he's tempted by an extra dessert, an extra piece of cake. He's tempted by things that look like they'd be really, really good. He's tempted, please, turn this stone into bread. He's hungry. It would make sense to be fed. And Jesus says, we're not fed by bread alone. Jesus' eyes are not on the immediate gratification, not on what this world can bring, but pointing towards a bigger kingdom, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of the desert. Jesus is tempted a second time to have power over all the people, over social societies, politics. The devil says, here, I will make you ruler of all. And you can just imagine how tempting that would be and is for all of us to take absolute control of everything around us. But as we take absolute control, if our eyes are not on God, we're not serving God's kingdom in that control. And so Jesus rejects that. Jesus affirms that he has his eyes on God's kingdom. Jesus affirms that we are not to worship the things in this world that we want control over. We're not to worship our politics. We're not to worship our social structures. We're to worship the Lord our God and not what the devil is inviting Jesus to worship, which is, hey, worship me and I'll give you all this stuff. The temptations that are presented here are all temptations that are counter to the kingdom of God. And this happens all through Luke as we read Luke this year. We'll have a picture of the kingdom of God and then we'll have the picture of the kingdom that is not God. And the way that evil works and the way that in this passage, one of the ways the devil works, the dark, darkness works, is to base the temptation on distortions. In the last temptation, the devil uses verses of scripture to try and convince Jesus that he should prove that he's the son of God by throwing himself off the top of the temple and that God will change, save him. And the devil uses scripture and says, you know, it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up so that you do not dash your foot against a stone. This method of using what we uphold, using scripture, using good things in our lives to convince us to turn away from God is something we all do. Our ability to delude ourselves about what temptation is knows no bounds. If we aren't connected and if we aren't looking towards God, we can get sucked into our own self-justifications and our own, own ways that we convince ourselves that a way we may be walking away from what is holy is good. This is one of the hardest things about temptation, that it often comes in the guise of something that feels good. So we have a blessing in our Christian community, in this, this community, of being able to be with one another 
and to be mirrors for one another of, our, of what is reality. Is what I'm thinking, does it make sense? Well, maybe I should run it by someone else who's on a spiritual path here at St. A's. Maybe I should run it by somebody in my prayer group, somebody in the centering group, somebody at the Wednesday, uh, Wednesday Eucharist, somebody who's cooking with me at SPY. Are my ideas, are these callings I have in line with God? Or are these callings and ideas temptations to put my eye on things that are not of God? There's a wonderful book that gets into this, this mystery and the insidiousness of how we can delude ourselves and how we can turn away from God and march towards, if you want to personify it, the devil. And that's C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. It's a very, very funny book, and it's about a devil, Screwtape, who is writing letters to his young protege nephew, Wormwood, and trying to teach Wormwood how to be a really good devil. And what happens over and over and over in this book is that he's not telling him, okay, go convince your patient to go murder somebody. It's go convince your patient to start getting anxious. Convince your patient to start worrying about the future so they can't see what God has given them, or in, in the book's terms, what the enemy has given him in real life. There's a wonderful quote uh, about this um, sort of insidious way of focusing on uh, or getting our eyes off of what is God. One of the pieces of advice is to keep the patient's mind on the inner life. You must give him, bring him to a condition in which he can practice self-examination for an hour without discovering any of those facts about himself which are perfectly clear to anyone who's ever lived in the same house with him or worked with him in the same office. This is how evil works. It's subtle. And in this scripture story, it's writ large, you know, Jesus in the, in the wilderness and the devil coming forward. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> coming forward with three really big calls. But we have subtle calls. And we have calls every day to step away from God. So our gift and our call this Lent is to be with one another in community, to make this church and this place a safe place to bring our questions, to bring our concerns, to bring our pain and wondering, like, what's going on here with me? And to work with one another and to work with God on how we can turn back, how we can embrace the grace that God is offering to us. Because the Holy Spirit who led God, Jesus into the wilderness is with Jesus all the way. And the Holy Spirit who walks with us in the wilderness of our everyday lives is walking with us in the wilderness of this Lent and will take us to the cross and take us to the new life beyond. Amen. <laughs>